Welcome to Connecting with Coincidence with psychiatrist Bernard David Beitman, MD. Dr. Beitman is the founder of the Coincidence Project. The project encourages people like you to tell each other coincidence stories. To learn more about Dr. Beitman's work, put Connecting with Coincidence in your web browser. You'll find his book, his Psychology Today blog, and the interviews from this podcast. And now your host, Bernard Beitman, MD. Welcome to Connecting with Coincidence. I am your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. Yes, this is Connecting with Coincidence 2.0. If you wish to support us here at Connecting with Coincidence, please like and subscribe to us. Increasing subscriber numbers increases our reach. And if you are watching us on YouTube, please write us one of your coincidence stories in the comments section or something else. We will reply. Microserendipity. Microserendipity. What is microserendipity? These are the small coincidences of daily life that inform us in decision making. Not a big deal, not major impact synchronicities, useful bits of information that we hardly notice beyond their usefulness. I've been working on a vision statement for the Coincidence Project, looking for a short, impactful, intriguing, simple few words that capture what we're doing. The recent candidate was illuminating hidden connections. A coincidence colleague indirectly suggested replacing the word connections with the word threads. Threads to create a sweater to keep all of us warm during the coming challenge of the looming sixth major extinction of life on our planet, which we're trying to reverse, I hope. I am trying to help. A few hours later, I heard Taylor Swift singing about someone she longed to be with. The song is titled Invisible Thread. I took to this to be a further suggestion to use the word threads rather than connections. With the advice of a third person, I kept our vision to illuminating hidden connections rather than illuminating hidden threads. And I conclude and I conclude for you that coincidences are guides, not commands that you decide. Our guest today is Michelle Kempton, who is a master certified coach, passionate about leadership development and organizational change. As founder of Kempton Coaching and Training, she's an expert in the coach approach to leadership. With 18 years of experience in course design, she provides experiential learning in 30 countries. She has facilitated courses in multiple industries, including medicine, law, sports, education, banking, and Fortune 500 companies. And she loves cheese, dark chocolate, and soulful conversations, as well as you will see the color purple. Welcome to the show, Michelle. <laughs> Glad to have you with us. And a, and a partridge in a pear tree. It, it's always difficult for me to hear those lists of, you know, when someone asks for a bio or an intro. Anyway. And a partridge in a pear tree. Okay, <laughs> well, we may as well warn our audience that this may happen again, this song thing. Now, 
I'd like to start off the show, and we will today, with um, a story by you, a coincidence story by you. So uh, we talked about them, but there's really one good one that we want to start with. So please tell us that story. Okay, so this was about 18 years ago, and I was in a leadership program, and there was a day, a 24-hour, a day of silence. We were meant to not speak for 24 hours. And the first morning of this day, or the, the first three, four hours, they sent us out to do whatever we wanted out in, in nature. And I decided I was going to go meditate in the forest. So this was a beautiful place in Sebastopol in, in, uh, in California. And I, I went into the forest and I was looking for the perfect spot, which is kind of funny because what is a perfect spot to meditate? But I was looking for the perfect spot. And as I was looking for the perfect spot, well, I eventually found it. When I sat down, I realized that in my search for the perfect spot, I'd gotten a little disoriented and that was going to distract me from being able to meditate. As soon as it came into my mind, you don't know where you are exactly. You should get up and get your bearings and then sit down and meditate. I could no longer relax. So I stood up and I thought, okay, I'll just get oriented. It'll only take me a moment. And as I, you know, looked in, in different directions, I realized I actually it didn't know in which direction to walk to find my way out. So I just tried, you know, walking in this direction, it felt right. And it wasn't the way out. So then I, I turned and what started as five, 10 minutes to get myself oriented turned into hours. And what happened in that period of time was really interesting because it was a point in my life where I felt like I had done a lot of personal work and I really, I had listened, I had read The Power of Now like three times. I felt like I was a ninja with being able to control my presence and my thoughts. So when I started going into worry, I know I've got this. And I, I pulled my, my attention into the here and now, I'm fine, you know, slowly walking, I'll find my way. And then all of a sudden a voice, you don't know where you are. And this is when it started getting really, um, I started feeling very anxious because then I was telling myself, you're going to ruin this leadership program for everybody because when you, you don't come back, they said they would call us back with the sound of a loud drum. And I thought, okay, they're going to sound the drum. I'm not going to come back. They're going to have to send a search party out for me. I'm going to ruin the program. It's going to be humiliating. That was my biggest, uh, I guess, worry is ruining everybody's experience. Um, so really it was my ego. And then I would say, no, you know how to do this right here, right now, power of now, I'm fine. I'd calm down and I, you know, keep walking, I'll find my way out. So this was, it was like a, it was like schizophrenia. I was in and out of presence and anxiety and, and really bruised ego. And, you know, how could this happen to me? You know, why me, how me? Um, and then I thought, no. Right. So it happened until I finally was I was muddy, sweaty. I would start running in the direction when I thought it was the right direction. And then suddenly the trees were different. And I thought, I'm not even in the same forest anymore. I started panicking. It started getting worse. It started getting more difficult, Bernie, to get back to here and now. So now my ego had taken over. My fear had taken over. Um, I was a mess. I, I really was a mess. I started crying. I got myself calm. I started crying again. I thought, oh my God, 
And when the trees were different, I thought, how far in my effort to get out of here have I run in the wrong direction? So it felt like hours. And, and one thing that was very strange is there were a couple of times where I came to the same place and I thought, oh my God, I'm stuck in some kind of twilight zone. I later found out that when you found out that when you get lost, you tend to turn right. So it's not all that abnormal to find yourself in the same place. But it was like, I just, I, I think I, I reached my kind of limit in terms of managing my state. I really was a mess. And I reached such a limit that I decided I give up. I think I, I was emotionally exhausted. That's what I was. And so I decided, okay, I surrender. And I laid down in the forest and I calmed my heartbeat down because I had been running um, with a heavy coat on. I was so sweaty and muddy. And I just laid down and I, and I, um, I remember seeing that the, the, the trees are quite tall in, in that part of California. And there was this, you know, the sunlight came through the trees and it was like I suddenly, after being in this state for, for hours, felt peace. And, and I let go of it all, okay? So, so maybe I end up spending the night in the forest, so maybe they have to come after me, you know, come looking for me. There was no charge anymore with any of it. It was like, okay, I surrender. And in that moment, when, once my heartbeat calmed down and I, and I could breathe, and I was completely fine. I turned my head and I saw this tree that was like an old, I don't, it was like, like deadwood almost or something. It was a tree that was broken and pointing. And I knew when I saw the tree, absolutely knew that the tree was pointing out, that that was the way out. And here is the bizarre part, Bernie. I got up confidently, calmly, and started walking in the direction that the tree was pointing. And in about, I don't know, maybe five minutes, I was at the edge of the wood as the drum was sounding. And there was a colleague, a, you know, a fellow leadership participant on the hill waving at me. I was lost the exact allotted time. It's just absolutely bizarre. But what, what I think I, you know, I expressed to you before was that of all the things that I learned in that year, four different retreats, all these different things that we did for leadership, that was definitely the most powerful learning experience that I had. Because I realized that's it. The way out is surrender. Whenever you your ego takes over or you're afraid or you're lost, your way out is to surrender. Because when you surrender, you can, you can see a sign, you can get information that, that will get you back, back into connection, back into, back into the now and able to see some kind of guidance. But the ego, that's, that's the block. That's the block to being able to connect to synchronicity. When you think you're controlling everything, when you're trying to control everything, I saw the sign. I saw the sign. <laughs> opened up my eyes. I think that's it. And saw the sign. I opened yes. up my eyes and saw the sign. Oh, yeah. Fine. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's what we got here, ladies and gentlemen. She saw the Absolutely. sign. But what did it take for you to see the sign? And that's what you're describing. And, you know, it, 
uh, people who listen to our my podcast, some of them know that I love trees, and that it's a tree that pointed the way for you. Yeah. <laughs> I got trees telling me how to do stuff. I mean, here, yeah. how? First of all, there's the tree there, been pointing in that direction for quite a long time before you saw it. <laughs> but how? that tree pointing in that direction at a different time frame than we go by, how that tree having to be pointing in the direction you needed to know, we'll right. never know that one, but how you could interpret it as that. Well, right. So, so here's the thing. I believe that I saw it coming in. So, so it was, it was somewhere in my memory. And when I turned and looked at it, I knew that it pointed the way out because I think I saw it coming in. I just knew when I saw it, that that was pointing the way out. Well, that is an additional piece of information that's vital here. It's a, a little bit like putting a marker on. I do this when I go in the woods too, as I try to mark uh, familiar places when I go off so that when I come back, I know the way, the way back. And you somewhat rel relatively subconsciously marked that as one of the ways to get back. Right, well, definitely subconscious because it wasn't conscious. It's just somehow, that's, that's the magic of it for me is that somehow when I turned, when I had completely let go and I turned my head and I saw it, I knew. And yeah. I, think, I think in that moment, I thought, oh, I saw that coming in, whatever, but I knew. I knew but, very, very clearly this is the way out. And the fun thing with this stuff, we don't know how we know these things. And uh, who knows, maybe you didn't see it uh, maybe you didn't come that way or something, but you could. And, and the more magical way I like to think about this one is that you somehow recognized that the tree was connected to where you were going, that 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 branch or whatever that was, was connected somehow to where yeah. you wanted to be to the drums and that you that that connection you could pick up in the moment. That's that's where I prefer. I, I like that one. Uh, yeah. to add to what might have been a subconscious recognition well and and the thing is so first of all I don't yeah I'm not I'm not sure that I saw it or not that I think you know that's what my mind uh went to when but when I remember that moment it wasn't like oh I remember that tree it was that tree is pointing the way out those are two different yeah those are two different things those observations. are two, two different and we'll leave yeah. it at that but it's it's this intuition capacity and we'll, we blame intuition for a lot of good things where we don't know how we know it, but we know it. And then we try to take it apart, which is what uh, I'm very interested in being able to do, like take it apart. But sometimes we can't. But this is like intuition. Now, the important thing about this story 18 years ago in the in the woods in Sebastopol, north of San Francisco, somewhat near the Russian River, and not too far from the Pacific Ocean, and somewhere near Bolinas, where I have spent a little time, in a beautiful part of the world that's absolutely crazy, nuts, and wonderful, and all all kinds of stuff. Uh, you got the best lesson you ever got at a leadership yeah. conference, and that yeah. lesson was uh, calm down, 
anger is also one that gets in the way. Anxiety and anger will, will do that. Yeah. And just simply about the way we're programmed is that when you've got all that static, which also includes too many wrong thoughts, I mean wrong just because they're a waste of time, uh, right. they don't really get you anywhere, blah, 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 including uh, worry, anxiety, but a lot of other, blah, 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 other things like that. Yeah. To be able to then find a way, and there's so many people going out there and saying, this is my way for you to calm yourself down. Oh, please don't do that to all of us. This is the way you found that it works. That doesn't mean that the other person is going to find that. So please represent it as your way rather than, and that it might work for other people and probably will, but not for everybody. Right. Please do that. I mean, that's one of the getting to me my one of my pet peeves about wisdom coaches and people right. who know the right way. And this is the consciousness is going to be this way. And they've got some truth in it, but yeah. it has to be filtered through the experience of the other person. Yeah, of the individual. No, I absolutely agree. I've had plenty of times where I recommended something to someone that was very life-changing for me and had no impact on, on them at all. So I've learned over time that it really is something very personal, individual. It's about timing. And, you know, one thing I want to add to, or, or yeah, to what you just said is that because I went into it, it, it really built and culminated into panic where I was very I felt in a, it was in a very primitive sort of like, I've got to you know, survive this kind of mode, which shut all my kind of resources and awareness uh, or it limited, reduced it. And I think that's part of why I couldn't see any signs or anything. Cause if you think about, first of all, one, how bizarre is it that I got lost the exact amount of time? And, and how strange is it that, that that tree was just, you know, I don't know, maybe seven feet away. I didn't see it, right? So it was like, I think there's something about when you're calm and connected, you're so much more resourceful and able to see all the information or signs that, that, that could come in to your awareness because you're here and now and present and resourceful. And when, when, when I get scared or um, yeah, my ego takes over, my awareness goes, <laughs> comes to a very limited. That's the key description there. Anger too, that focus you. Anxiety that discombobulates you. But when you get to this calm place, you can you have 360. You can see around. It's relatively there's relative calms. There's the filter though that you also include that I want something from the circumstance. I'm trying to get someplace so that you are able to scan the environment for the thing that will lead you to where you'd like to go. Yeah. That and is- This was, it was instant. It wasn't even a scan. I turned and that was it. It was like, it was like, here's your reward, Michelle, for calming down. Here's the way out. <laughs> That's it, we're done. Because that was something that, that has impacted my life ever since. It's been- well, that's what we're gonna. That, that's what we're gonna talk about. I, I think you were scanning because uh, the scanning goes on whether you're doing whether you know it or not. It's your your eyes are saccading around and looking for things, and how much time it takes is what you're talking about. It it but it, we, we, you were able to whatever you were calling I'll call scan. You were able to go find it right away because uh, you had already looked for it. 
even though you weren't aware consciously of scanning. That's what I would call the difference. But that's not my, uh, that's not so important. The idea is you were lost. I was lost and now I'm found. <laughs> <laughs> I was lost and I'm found. That's what, what song you... is that? I'll sing it with you if I know. Which one is it? I can't remember. It, it's it's I think oh, it's oh amazing grace. Amazing grace. What? Amazing grace. That's yeah. Amazing grace. Yeah, that's a great song. It's a great song. Yeah. And that was a moment of amazing grace. It was. I felt like that was a moment, a moment of amazing grace. Literally, it was like I turned, I found my way out. And I think more than anger, what 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 really took me into a, a terrible state was really shame. Like I, I felt very embarrassed that that had happened to me. And I think right. shame is even more powerful than anger in terms of shutting us down. Well, I, I, each of us has our own cup of tea in that rare and that anger. <laughs> and that, so let's say for you, shame is a huge one. <laughs> let's say yeah. for you, anger is a good one for me. And uh, anxiety, I got to also. But it's as we we're saying, there's going to be a rainbow of differences on the ne on the negatives that restrict you. So you got to know your own that's going to do it and the combination of them. But now I got you. Shame is a big thing for you, Michelle. Well, per perhaps, yeah, because I think I, I had an, an image of myself um, that was shattered, I think, that day. But the, the I mean, yeah, or, or a, I guess an idea that I was a little bit more evolved than I really was, because I wasn't able to stay present. I wasn't able to stay calm. And, <laughs> and so, yeah, it was like, I, when I finally you know, made it out of that situation, I looked back and I thought, so that was very humbling. And I got the best lesson of my life that when you start thinking, oh, I've got this, or, you know, <laughs> check, check again, look again, you know. Oh, that's, that's yeah. when I look around, man. I've, I've learned that enough. <laughs> I've learned that. I've learned that one enough. If I'm starting to get, like, I'm starting to get good at this coincidence thing now. So I'm, <laughs> so, so people, the master of synchronicity, somebody goes, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, uh oh, I'm start, start looking around, seeing how am yeah, I going to get trouble yeah, exactly. with this. Yeah. That was so, a great, it was a great lesson. It, you got to keep learning that one until you learn it, and then you got to learn it some more, that because it just keeps unfolding. That ego thing, that whatever you want to call, I'm really good at this. Look how wonderful I am, kind of thing. Bang. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like right right all right so this th there's a there's another one that i was lost in the woods uh is another a classical story from someplace uh and i didn't know where i was going and i i, I th it's almost like dante's inferno began that way if i'm remembering right uh th there's a kind of being lost and not knowing what's and in the woods is where um, right. uh, it happens and it's among the trees and I got lost once in the trees and it was dusk and it was getting dark and I did lost the path and the leaves were all over the ground so I couldn't see the path and I did know that if I go down I'll probably get someplace uh, and there were all, there were all kinds of blocks there was like a whole row of thorn bushes that i had to get through uh i couldn't get around them so i pretended like i was playing football and they were like uh the other team and i just ran through them <laughs> <laughs> and a bunch of other things i mean it was real drama 
but that one I was I had a, a direction to go, but I had impediments. And then yeah. I hit the path. When I finally hit the path, some guy was walking right there. It's almost like your drum thing. He walked by and I popped in on him from no place. And he goes like that. Lost, getting lost in the woods can be uh, death. It's scary. Yeah. In the woods, Sebastopol would have been uh, warmer, maybe. It gets cold there, too. I mean, it can be At pretty night, cold. So it would have been a cold night. It would have been a cold night. So you, you have to face uh, being uh, frozen and hungry. Uh, it's to be on the edge like that is a good experience because it can happen again. And you, we're talking here about how this applies to your life and your coaching. You're, you're a master coach. You know, even then you knew you needed to be set in yourself, calm, looking around. And you, I'm sure you, this major lesson you try to help the people you coach get to so they can see the opportunities. So tell us about how this applies to coaching and particularly about synchronicity and coaching and particularly how that applies to what coincidences you had this morning or today. Yeah. Um, right. So today I, I, I told you earlier that today's Thanksgiving and I'm, I'm very thankful for coincidences and, and synchronicities because it makes the world feel like a magical place. And there, there may be, you know, all sorts of science behind how this all works in this, you know, huge web that we're all connected to. For me, it's, it, it feels like magic. Um, so first I wanna say that, that that day in the forest um, has helped me through a lot of moments where I've suddenly felt um, overwhelmed or lost or, um, you know, this last, 2020 was very difficult. I lost my dad. I lost a lot of projects because I was traveling all over the world with leadership. There are a lot of moments where a crisis comes in and I could start feeling like I'm lost in the forest. And I have that so locked into my memory, my experience of remember, Michelle, the answer or the way out is to let go. It's just to let go, to surrender. So that had huge impact on my life. I, you know, still use it today. Um, super helpful for me and the, and also humility you know if you think you've got it handled think again if you think you understand all this stuff you know think again and i think it, it has me be um keeps me humble and keeps me searching and learning and reading and yeah um so in terms of my work um the way i think of this is like you know people ask me like how what are the ingredients for powerful coaching and to me, this is the same ingredients for um, using synchronicity or having synchronicity play a role in your life. You bring the ingredients. The ingredients I think are, you know, presence, listening, attention, um, observing. Maybe there's also humility. Um, you can bring all the, those ingredients into a conversation pull someone else into a state of presence and the conversation that goes from there can be full of synchronicities because we've brought in, we've created sort of a bubble and, and this is an encounter in which synchronicity can play a part because we are in a state in which we're able to observe and notice things. That if you're speaking really fast, you're distracted, you know, your two people are coming together, maybe um, superficial conversation or 
you know, even maybe to, to argue about something, it's much, it's highly unlikely that it'll be so easy to capture synchronicity. I'll give you an example. So today I've recorded some coachings today because they're for training purposes. So I had a client saying, um, you know, I just imagine I have all these doors in front of me and they are locked. And I, you know, she was talking about what, what to do next in her life. And she said, it's just, I don't even know how to knock or ring the doorbell of these doors. I just, you know, I look at them and I don't know how to knock or ring. And in that moment, the doorbell rang in her house. And it was just like the timing is as soon as she said it, it rang. And I said, huh, what was that? And she said, oh my, she was absolutely shocked. And she said, um, maybe someone's gonna knock on, you know, a ring or whatever. Maybe somebody's coming from the other side. Like instead of me having to go open the door, maybe somebody is coming to open the door for me, right? So it turned into a beautiful metaphor in the coaching. And then there was a second moment when she referred to the door again and someone knocked on the door. So she was just blown away by that. Like, oh my God, what is this? And I said, this is just us being present and connected and noticing what's happening. Normally, if you're not having a coaching conversation where you're paying attention to those things, you would keep talking and you wouldn't even, you wouldn't give it importance. But part of being present and connected and aware is noticing what things are coming in from the environment that can play a part in your conversation and can be a point of inflection or, or a turning point that's really important in the coaching. Because when, I, when she said, maybe there's someone on the other side, because I said, make up a story, make up a story about that doorbell that just rang. And she said, oh, you know, maybe there's someone that's opening the door. You know, who might that someone, what does that mean? What does that symbolize? And it opens up a whole new conversation or part of the coaching that wouldn't have happened otherwise. And another thing happened today where um, wait somebody- Wait a minute, wait Yeah, go ahead. You're moving. You're moving. I'm talking really fast. You get you you get excited, so I'm gonna. Yeah, I, I do. I get very. I get very excited. You get excited, and it's fun. But uh, it's like, yeah. uh, who's that knocking on my door? Is a fifty <laughs> song. <Yeah. laughs> or knock, knock, knocking. Knock, knock, knocking. Yeah, yeah, that's a different one. That's good. That's good. That might be the same one. So, what you just did there was take the knock on the door as. Uh, uh, jumping off metaphor for her to project into what yeah. she might want to have happen. So you could see you, you triggered her imagination in doing that. What you right. did was what, what uh, these micro serendipity things that I was talking about at the beginning, this was a micro serendipity. It was just a knock at the right time. And twice. <laughs> twice too i mean we we'll just do the first one but twice twice then you got something else going on um that that you then seize that small event because uh, we we miss them yeah exactly we miss, we miss them, them as you as you were saying we miss them so that you you seized on that and that's an important part of a, a lot of serendipities is that they you get these crossings of events, but that you don't necessarily grab them to see what they might be doing for you. Right. So being able to move, that's why my next book might be called The Dog That Trots About Finds the Bone. You gotta move, you gotta move, you've gotta act in order to have a meaningful coincidence take place. And that's what you just illustrated and you had in addition, the belief 
that there was something potential in that metaphor. But you also knew when you get a coincidence like that, you're going to pop the other person. They're going to get what? Because you got popped. And that pop will drive imagination. Right, and, exactly. And that's what you corralled at that moment for both of you, and particularly for her, and showed her. It's like the tree pointing in the direction that you needed. This could be another, I saw the sign for yeah. her. So you taught her in the moment, not for what, just what happened there. You taught her that she should look for more of these in the future because they also might be signs of a direction to go in. Right, right. And, and, and if she had any doubts when it happened the second time, there was no doubt. She was the one that pointed it out and said, this is, this is too strange, right? But she got the second one. She, happened, she got the let, second one. Yeah, we, we let, the first one was a doorbell and the second one was a knock. Yeah, isn't there a song, somebody's knocking at the door, somebody's ringing the bell? <laughs> Do you that song? I don't know who sings it. Um, but yeah, for her, it was like, um, obviously if I had ignored it because I was coaching her, we would have moved right through it. And she would have said, oh, sorry about that noise or something like that. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I said about ingredients. If you bring in a belief that the environment can have impact, and that there could be something that, that happens if you're paying attention that contributes to the coaching and taking it to another level, then that's, that's why I was saying earlier, you know, you bring your presence, your listening, your attention, your, uh, you know, your ability to observe and your belief that that's possible. And then something can happen. Amen, sister. Amen, Amen sister. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. Now, you were going to tell us a second one before I uh, slowed yes. down your enthusiasm. And it has, actually, it's funny that you mentioned a dog and the dog walking around with a bone or looking for a bone in order for, I understand what you're saying. And, and before, you for, go, before you go, before you go, that funny is really important here because one of the great ways to do coincidences, yes, is to see what songs they trigger uh, because they can, uh, but there also can be jokes there they can be funny and yeah. then now and you say it's funny that i was talking about the dog because now you're going to tell us the rest of the joke well i'm going to tell you that this next story has to do with the dog yeah and and i told you earlier about songs that a lot of times i'll have a, an issue a problem that i'm grappling with and a song will come into my head and i'll realize that in the lyrics of the song there's there's something interesting for me. So I, I, I love playing with songs and why a song comes into your head. Um, the, the second story, this is also coaching from today. Both of these are from today. Um, this was, and again, I have permission, written permission from them because these are training uh, coaching recordings. Um, so this person was talking about needing to be, um, it was all about, you know, I need to, 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 express more love in my life. And I put myself in a box and so on. And she said, suddenly she said, you know, I heard her dog snoring. That's what it was. Her dog was snoring so loud. She had the most adorable dog in the room with her. And I said, wow, that's your dog snoring. And she said, yes. And I said, what would your dog say about this right now? And she said, well, actually, and there was this pause and it was like, oh, something really good is about to happen. And she says, my dog, very often comes to give me affection and 
and lick my hands and do all these things. And I, I push her away all the time. I realize now this is really about me being able to receive love. I have a hard time receiving love. But it was like this aha moment with the dog because she realized I don't let my dog, you know, I push her away. I don't let her give me affection. This is the real issue, right? So, so this was, it was a, again, like a, a, a turning point in the, in the conversation because we were focused here and suddenly the snoring dog brought in, brought the coaching into a totally new direction um, that was deeper and more true to what she needed. So. It's so cool that you can get that on tape too, that you can record yeah, it. Sort exactly. Of so I can share it with people and say, look, you know, look what happens when you pay attention to everything that's happening, everything that's showing up. And now you can see why people get psychotic around coincidences. <laughs> Because the filter to pick out what's relevant becomes yeah. distorted or too expanded. And everything seems relevant to me right now. And that's... That's an interesting thing. So I was explaining to you earlier, we were talking about the, the reticular activation system. I think with coaching, a lot of times I have people visualize their desired future and, and get connected emotionally to what they really want because I know that will put an internal GPS to work. So if they want to get better at speaking in public and they visualize over and over again success speaking in public, what will happen from then on out because their mind has locked that in as this is important is there is a filter system happening where because you can't take in everything in the environment, the, the reticular activation system is filtering out for you. So you might suddenly be reading the newspaper and see an article about speaking in public that you wouldn't have noticed before. Or you're in a you know, conference room and you overhear somebody talking about a speaking coach and you wouldn't have heard it because now your, your internal GPS is going to work to actually get you to where you want to go. And you could call that synchronicity, you could call that neuroscience because now you're filtering out and seeing signs that are like signposts on the way to where you want to go because your mind is helping you. Uh, I think I might call this episode, I saw the sign. I saw uh, a sign. <laughs> it, it, it's funny to, to have you describe it now as neuroscience. Um, and that's really good. The correlate is important between the brain and the mind here. And I've been fascinated most of my psychiatric career with the interface between the mind and the brain it's the hard problem of philosophy and it's a fascinating problem about what the nature of reality is. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Because in psychology, it's called a recency bias. If you see one thing and then you're going to be more likely to see it again, if you just saw it before. And right. that's a, that's a different way, a uh, similar way of feeding uh, this, what you're calling in, internal GPS. What I have a way of thinking about internal GPS. How do you, what do you, you've described it some, please describe it some more, what you mean by the internal GPS. Yeah, so, so first of all, this is, you know, from, from the reading and investigating, and I am not a neuroscientist. So this is just what I've studied. I have worked with uh, Olympic teams and the Spanish Olympic Committee with 
elite athletes work a lot with visualizing, right? Like, you know, um, Michael Phelps or, you know, they'll visualize everything before they do it. So that, you know, I've learned that, that that does a series of things, but maybe the most important thing is that when you visualize, it's very, your, your brain doesn't distinguish between what's real and what you've visualized. And so it can raise your confidence and it can also have you recognize uh, opportunities. So it, it's a little bit like if I told you, I really want, um, I would really love to have a red BMW. And I imagine myself driving in a red BMW and, and enjoying what it feels like to roll down the window, window. And I mean, I get my whole experience and my emotions involved in visualizing this. Now it's locked in. And when I go down the street, I'm going to notice any red BMW that's driving, that, you know, that passes me by. Whereas before I, I probably wouldn't have noticed it or a red BMW that might be parked in a parking lot, you know, across the way from where I'm parking, because now my, my mind is noticing these things that are deemed important or have been decided, you know, in, in my mind that are significant or important to me. Uh, there are certain limits to what you can imagine and you can get. And that's a very important part of all this because a lot of people aren't going to get red BMWs even if they want them. Uh, there are plenty of impediments to get in the way. So I think it's important to recognize as I had to do on the football field, the guys who want to tackle me, no matter what I'm trying to be out there doing. But I, I, I have a, a question related to this. Um, and it's a somewhat of a leadership question because I'm a leader of the, I'm the leader of the coincidence project. And I'm saying, I'm listening to you and I, I, I'm trying to think how I think about the leadership of the Coincidence Project. I started this uh, with our, our mutual friend, Juliet, uh, more than a year ago. And neither of us had any idea about what was gonna happen with this. I mean, no, nothing clear. And it was a kind of, uh, the fun about it is just like wanting something to happen and not knowing what it is, but just keep going. It was, it was stumbling through the woods in the way that you were stumbling through the woods, but nobody had ever been here before. And we didn't know where we were going particularly, but just wanted to have something happen. And now, now we've got this uh, coincidence ambassador group that's getting formalized enough to have a vision statement and a mission statement, which I will send to you and hope you comment on. And, and there are other connections that I'm making that, that include random knots, random knots who have an app for increasing coincidences. And it's a million people are using it in, uh, around the world and they, it gets them to go places they wouldn't have gone before and see what happens, which is another way to increase coincidences. And I'm connected with an uh, international lawyer in Santa Barbara who wants to do uh, an app uh, to help increase coincidences in a much different way where you connect with people, almost like a dating site, who are interested in the same kinds of thing that you're interested in, among other things. And we have a coincidence cafe, which meets once a month, where you can get serendipity at the yeah. coincidence. So you'll be invited to that just because we've been doing this. And Juliet organizes that thing uh, with, with leaders in it. So we just started sitting around, two of us, talking about it. And this is some of what we've got. But I didn't imagine this. I, I had a feeling of wanting to do that. So what, 
how does that fit in with the way, with the way you think about leadership? Well, you know, what's interesting is as you're talking, I was thinking about, you know, how does it work? So first of all, the red BMW example is just an example. It's just a very, a very um, simple example. But you could say, so it's kind of like what we were talking earlier about the power of intention. So if I imagine and visualize something and then suddenly I notice it, you know, is it a coincidence? Is it, is it, it's, it's difficult because would it have been there had I, you know, it's like, that could be a coincidence that it's there. And now I notice it and there's two things happening. One, I've dreamed it up, I've imagined it. And now my mind is filtering it and I can, you know, my fil filtering out other things and I can see it. But also the fact that suddenly I see three or four red BMWs after imagining it, that's a coincidence. Would they have been there? Were they there? Do you know what I'm saying? It's difficult to know, like the nature of reality. There's kind uh, yeah. Of yeah. two things <laughs> happening, right? So, so the yeah. fact that I imagined it and now I'm seeing them everywhere, it doesn't mean that they were, you know, we, we don't know for sure what that It doesn't mean they weren't there before. That's right. Right. What I'm, so what I'm saying is, you know, it's, it's all very mysterious. But what I do know is I think working as a, a coach and, and in leadership, one of the most important things I can do for a leader is to help them align with, you know, their values, the, the best version of, the, of themselves, visualize it and visualize where they want to go because it's far more likely they're going to recognize the signs and the opportunities to get there, to become that, to get to where they want to go, as opposed to, you know, putting out fires and living, you know, day to day and not actually projecting their desired future. So I think there's something about <clears throat> in the world of coaching, learning to accept and love what is while you're dreaming up the future, because that will allow you in the present moment to see the signs that will get to be, get you to where you want to go. Well, there's, there's all sorts of need of giving things up uh, that I have to do with this. I mean, that or surrender is the word you use. I, I, I do let it go. Uh, it's kind of the same. I, when you find yourself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me. Speaking words of wisdom, let it, let it be. be. Let it, I mean, that's that's uh, right there for what we're talking yeah. about. The, this yeah. letting it go or letting it be and the different words we might use for it are a very important part of this. And I'm just pretty much along for the ride on this, but it, yeah. it's fun to be steering it sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Go this way or that way. Um, but it, it, I didn't have an idea. And now that I have to do a vision statement and a mission statement, because I got hassled, don't let us, said the coincidence ambassadors, do the vision statement. You do it because you started this. So, right. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, uh, I have to become more of a leader now and not be right. so passive, which is what I have been, to try to just organize it. But now I'm making a vision statement. And this is to use coincidences to uh, illuminate hidden connections or hidden threads so that we can build a cohesive network of people doing with the heart and mind as you are doing to do something about not just the group that comes to us, but the larger part of humanity that needs to get tuned into some of the things that we seem to be discovering that have to do with those words, love and caring. And my favorite is the greatest thing you can ever learn is to love and be loved in return. Oh, 
that's beautiful. It's true. And it's and it's it's from Natkin Cole's Nature Boy. That's that's a line that I just was singing with someone as we were talking, as we were dancing. We both yeah. were singing that. It turned out to be a bad relationship, but it was a nice romantic <laughs> moment. At moment. The, moment. We had a moment. moment in time. You gotta moment just take those moments. You gotta take those moments. Yeah, yeah. Magic yeah, I, moment when we were together. Yeah, that's a you just I'm gotta, all about the I'm all about the magic moments. It's what I said earlier is that this is Thanksgiving and I'm so thankful for the magic moments. For the moments that seem magic, whether they're magic or not, the fact that I I uh, perceive them as magic is well, is well magic magic uh, is follows rules that we don't yet understand. And that and that's yeah. that's all it is. It, it is magic for us now and it's fun to live in a magical world michelle i am yes. just detecting that you have not grown up <laughs> like peter pan i'm a female version of peter pan I've, it's becoming clear to me michelle you're still a child yeah filled maybe. with the wonder of what is and yeah. meet another one. Oh, that's good <laughs> another good. one because I love I, hanging out with with adult children. <laughs> you you're just doing that right now. Uh, I I'm one of those, and behaving like an adult has been a bit of a strain. <laughs> I was chairman of a psychiatry department for 17 years. Oh my goodness! Oh my oh my badness! <laughs> I learned a lot from that, and yeah. it's helping inform this because the coincidence project needs an adult sometimes. I've got to be yeah. like that because. I still can be a child playing adult and yeah, kind of yeah. knowing it because it's fun to be able yeah. to see what happens. And yeah. like, like my younger son in an art museum in Washington, DC at age nine, where the sign says, don't push this button. <laughs> and of course, right. And they kicked us out. <laughs> Oh my God! It was a fire alarm. It was a fire alarm. So, oh, I see. He pushed the button and they kicked us out. He has been doing that a lot uh, in his life, and that's he got that from his father, unfortunately. But he he didn't get the brakes on it to yeah. try to see what happens. What happens if I do this? Yeah. What happens yeah. if I do that? Yeah. You learn you learn to do that within a, a more constrained environment if you want to survive because right. he's he's overdone it in some ways so he's coming back and being able to do it but he still loves to do it and his dogs particularly like well that's another story <laughs> well I, I, being as you're an athlete coach i want to tell you another story and see how you think about this one um uh i played football at swarthmore uh a small college near Philadelphia, it was, and I was, it was small enough for me to play and be a, become a star. And my senior year, um, the, the, in, in the fall, uh, before we were playing Johns Hopkins, um, I walked away from the playing field, uh, the, re the practice field, and got two practice dummies and set them up, and then got a football and walked about 10 yards away from the practicing dump, the, the tackling dummies and put my back to the dummies uh, and got down crouching with the football, then turned around and ran between the two dummies 
and then did that same thing again, ran between the two dummies and went back to the practice field. Two days later, uh, I, I returned punts. I was like waiting for the Johns Hopkins kicker to, to kick me a good punt. He was a bad kicker. So finally I hear the announcer and I see the ball going up in the air and it's a good kick and I'm happy, but I have to turn around and catch it over my shoulder coming that way because it was a better kick than I thought. So I turn around, I, I grab the ball to catch the ball, turn around, and there's two Johns Hopkins guys coming at me, just like the two tackling dummies. I ran right through them and went 90 yards for a touchdown. How does that fit into your sports well, things? Well, how does it fit in for you? I mean, the first thing I hear is that, I mean, first of all, mysterious that you would, you would be practicing that. So it's like, I think, wow, is that... Is that intuition? Is that a part of you that knows it's preparing you? Um, what, and the fact that you practice it a couple of times speaks to what I said before, where now there's a way that you're filtering out and your mind knows, right? This is, this is the way to go because it, you've already you know, stored it as a memory. Um, I don't know, what is it for you? What, what had you, what do you think, what impulse or intuition were you following when you set up those two dummies and you did that? That's, the, that's where the no. answer is. In many, in many ways, um, I see us human beings as puppets on strings. And there may be a puppeteer, which I kind of think is sometimes my higher self. A lot of people yeah. say universe. I said, well, what's universe? Well, they tend to mean God and don't really say it because that's kind of not the thing to say. Or they might mean the all oneness. And I'm saying, okay, what, what all one? What, what is that? And I heard a physicist talk yesterday about the purpose of consciousness. I said, how do you know what the purpose of consciousness is? He says it's to evolve. Uh, okay, but that's a description. What, why does consciousness want to evolve this thing with, and have us in it? What's free will and all this stuff? Well, I don't know. I'm a bottom-up kind of guy. And yeah. I, I just take what I see in front of me and climb the ladder of awareness. I'm based on like connections to the earth and my body and experience. So I was, to me, this was like an example of precognition enacted it was enacted precognition so i had the experience a literally clear experience of a precognitive knowledge that okay it just proved to me that you can do that you can know something ahead of it happening that's that's what it did for me so that when other people talk about knowing stuff into the future uh, and for people who like you have dreams in which you sense that someone is dying or you know something is going on that that kind of connection is possible that's what that tended to show me but how it works i have my ideas about but that's i call it the psychosphere or mental atmosphere it's here on earth it's not out there and that i am trying to help map the connections that the that connect us in the psychosphere that's that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing. That's my vision. Yeah. Yeah. It's very exciting. I mean, I think it's, it's putting words and processes to something that um, we wonder about. And I think the more clarity you get around, uh, around this and the more you, you investigate it, the more you can help people actually proactively put it into 
to use and and and, and get the the benefits of it. Right? Yeah, and that's what you're doing too. You put it into words. So sometimes as we get near the end of our time today, we're we're reporters for a great metropolitan newspaper. <laughs> like Superman, uh, but we're reporters of experience. We experience them yeah. ourselves. Yeah. We see them in other people. And then we try to take these three, four dimensional concepts and put them in the words that other people might be able to understand. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I love the idea of, um, you know, you don't have to know how it works, but if you bring presence and, observation awareness and maybe a little bit of faith that that there's something out there that's all you need a little bit of faith uh, i believe for every drop of rain that falls a flower grows i, I believe that somewhere in the, what, what what oh you gotta have faith go ahead george michael i gotta have faith or you gotta have faith 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 yeah. Anyway, maybe we're seeing from different time periods. Are you a George Michael fan? I have been, but I, I haven't liked, I don't know that song, but uh, I, oh, you don't. I, I like, That's I like, great uh, song. Uh, do it, do it a little bit, do it, do that. Oh, it's all I know. You got to yeah. have faith, faith, faith. Yeah. Or I, it's either I got to have faith or you got to have faith. Well, it, it means both of us. You, you, faith. I consider faith and, 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 believing in in things we don't understand is a sort of superpower that helps you get there because if you don't believe and you don't have faith then it's going to be very hard to 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 open your awareness and look for for signs yes ma'am yes ma'am so any any closing songs for us michelle <laughs> I feel like I've been so clumsy with all of the songs so far. We both have I, been, but we try. I'm not a singer. And, and so, yeah, it's probably difficult to recognize anything I sing. I think a closing song, um, you know, you, you touched a, a sensitive chord when you, when you brought in uh, Mother Mary speaking words of wisdom. <clears throat> and I'll tell you that one time I had just moved and I was just, it was one of those, I moved into a new apartment. There was no Wi-Fi. Um, there was no hot water. It was one of those, you know, everything, there were boxes everywhere. And I remember I was just uh, extremely, again, not resourceful in a very primitive mode, super irritated and frustrated. And my son, young son asked me to stand up and he started dancing with me and he sang that song in my ear. I'll never forget it. He was young. I didn't even know he knew that song. And he just said, let it be mom. It made me cry. And I thought, wow, yeah. So maybe the, the my closing statements are, uh, I think when you, um, when you stay open and present, there are all sorts of mysterious or inexplainable things that come in as allies or guides if you let them. And, and that, that day, that was my young son. Beautiful. Thank you very much for being with me today, Michelle. Thank you for having me. This psychosphere is our mental atmosphere, like a hologram.
Отчизны 